10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Live from Qatar, this is The Morning Break with Dorian Brown. Good morning, one and all, and welcome to the Friday morning break, the start to the end of your week. I am Dorian Brown. It is Friday, the 22nd of April. We are broadcasting live from the Teachers Talk Radio space station. Today, we're tackling the rather small issue of the future of education. What will learning look like and what should we be doing now to help craft it? Big questions, small time, but let's talk this out. Live from Qatar, this is the morning break with Dorian Brown on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Good morning and greetings. Thank you for tuning in today for the Friday morning break. Ramadan Mubarak to all celebrating, and I hope those celebrating Easter had a restful time of reflection uh, over this past weekend. Uh, I often think back to the muted celebrations of a, of a whole range of events that have uh, kind of not really happened, I suppose, over the last couple of years, and, and, and how there were sort of empty streets with many people unable to make those human face-to-face connections with uh, with our family members and, and friends. And uh, I, I think... So most recently, with the relaxing of a number of restrictions across the world, how, you know, after that initial burst of emotion and joy when kind of reconnecting, how how different perhaps maybe some of those uh, reconnections and reunions can feel, um, you know, following such a sustained period um, of absence. But uh, I, I do think, if anything, appreciating what we have and specifically, I suppose, who we have in our lives has kind of been the silver lining of these past couple of years. And there is, a, I think, now a huge rush of hope um, that, you know, out of adversity can come Human Race 2.0. Um, and us as adults and teachers and, and, and leaders have a significant responsibility, I feel, in, in, in shaping those futures of the children in our charge. Uh, so two staples of my show before we get going today. Firstly, Susie's word of the week is beak, B-E-E-K. That's from the 13th century. And it means to luxuriate for a while in the warmth of the sun, moment or other people. And I'm sure over the past few weeks, there's been plenty of uh, beaking going on. Um, and, and I also thank you today for tuning in uh, to beak with us here in the warmth of the Teacher Talk Radio family. Um, just before I introduce my wonderful guest and our fantastic topic today, um, today would have been Emmanuel Kant's 298th birthday. Now, I've picked him out specifically because, not just because, you know, uh, my guest would actually be quite familiar, I think, having read and taught around theory of knowledge before, um, but also because our discussions about learning in the future will require both of us actually to use practical and pure reason to make potentially idealistic predictions for the future, but predictions that I, I, I think, uh, I believe, will be steeped in, in, in rich personal experience and, and reflection. So uh, happy birthday, Emmanuel, uh, for, for today. Okay, so moving on then to our show. In previous shows, we have done a fair bit of uh, navel-gazing, I suppose, and pontificating about the purpose of education, the why, the how. Um, we've talked about compassionate learning systems, about the importance of global citizenship, about 
green issues, sustainability. Um, and, and whilst we've talked about these wide ranging facets of education, I'm, I'm not really that sure that we've actually solved or decided uh, upon what would be inverted commas the right way to move forward within these areas in education. But, you know, it's teachers talk radio and I don't think that it's, it's not teachers answers radio. So um, uh, I, I think just kind of having the conversations and, 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 and reflections on what we do talk about is a really important part of this this process of us kind of shaping our our ideals I suppose and our dispositions for for, for education in the future. Um, so I noticed last month that today and tomorrow uh, the United World Colleges of Southeast Asia are hosting a forum entitled Learning to Shape the Future and I just had to reach out uh, and get their perspective really on what they feel are the most important strands and the most important things to focus on to shape learning in the future because as I said in previous shows you know it just seems to be so complex and 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 wide-ranging so it'd be really interesting to hear um, different perspectives from around the world uh, so my guest uh, joining me from UWC uh, SEA today is Mr Nick Alshin uh, he is the head of the UWC Southeast Asia campus uh, in Singapore uh, and despite it being mid mid forum Nick has kindly taken time out uh, to to uh, hang out with us today uh, and, and and talk with us uh, about about the, the conference itself, the forum itself, but also the, these kind of bigger issues that I've been referring to. Nick's been a teacher and a leader in a host of settings throughout his career and um, time allowing, we'll try to get a sense of why sustainability, inclusion, peace, innovation and partnerships are key areas that can help shape global education. But as always, before we peel back that first uh, layer of the onion skin, let's hear from our Teachers Talk Radio tech guru, Steve Woods, on how we as teachers can improve our own tech skills. And then Nick will join us directly on the other side of this. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to talk about improving your skills. I listened to the morning show with Dorian Brown last Friday and he was discussing teachers' tech skills. I'm not here to start a discussion, that's his job. However, this week I investigate can you get better at tech for free? Is there any CPD out there that doesn't cost a fortune? The answer is yes. There's a lot of online self-paced courses out there and even some supported by bursary funding for cover to get you out of the classroom and trained in school time. So what did I find? Let's start with free training. Let's face it, the big three companies in EdTech are Apple, Google and Microsoft. So what do they offer? Apple Teacher is a free professional learning program designed to support and celebrate educators using Apple products for teaching and learning. As an educator, you can build skills on iPad and Mac that directly apply to activities with your students. Earn recognition for new things you learn and be rewarded for the great work you do every day. Sign into the program and work your way through the badges to get your Apple Teacher certificate. Google for Education offer a free training for educators. Courses range from beginner to advanced and there's also lots of courses on getting the most out of devices such of Chromebooks. They also have a certified program consisting of educator level one and level two. All resources are free, but if you want certification, it's done through a paid exam. You can also go on to be a certified trainer, innovator, and coach. Microsoft Educator Center offers hundreds of free online self-paced courses for educators. All have a certificate attached and a badge that can be shared. There is also a dedicated educator pathway to become an innovative educator, trainer, and expert. All of these are free. If you want to fine-tune a particular skill, there's loads of free training providers out there too. For example, Coursera is an online self-paced course platform that offers free training. If you want a certificate, you'll need to pay, but lots of courses are free, and if you don't need proof of completion, go for it. 
Finally, there's lots of different hubs out there to provide bursary-funded CPD for schools, computing, maths, English and MFL to name a few. A great way to find out what's on offer is to contact your local teaching school hub as they will know what is available in your area. As always, don't forget to check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. Tell us what you want to know about tech. I'm Steve Woods and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Live from Qatar, this is The Morning Break with Dorian Brown. Okay, and Nick joins us in the studio live now. Thanks for joining us here on Teachers Talk Radio this morning. A pleasure to be here, Dorian. Thanks for having me. Fantastic. And uh, obviously, we're coming to the end of the first day now uh, of the forum at UWC-SEA. And it's been obviously a very busy day for you, I'm sure. So thank you very much for, again, taking time out uh, to be able to talk to us here. Um, I wonder if you might start out, as we do with all all guests, of giving us a a kind of a a summary of your your career up to this date, please, that we know who we're talking to. Sure. Thank you. Always a pleasure to talk about myself. Uh, So (laughs) I suppose... I suppose I could say, uh, you know, it's interesting actually thinking about one's career. I mean, I think the roots of where I've come from actually started with my own schooling and my own education. When I, when I look back, I think the things that I remember most about school, and I did love some of the academics, uh, you know, that, of course, but it's really about the tennis I did, the service in the local um, dementia home, the bridge I played, the squash I played, uh, mm. the friends I made. And, and I suppose, you know, it's only looking back now at the... Um, with the benefit of hindsight that I can see how important those were to me they just seemed natural at the time but I kind of now realized I was I was lucky in that respect uh, I'd also say when I was at university one of the things that again looking back it's interesting so I changed subjects every single year you know, I, mean, I joke that as soon as as soon as it got hard I changed um, and, there's an, and there's an element of truth to that to be honest but uh, it wasn't always easy you know swapping into another subject new but, but actually, for me, I, I just love that, that sort of immersion in the new and the different and the breadth that, 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 you know, for example, hopping into, you know, I did economics in my third year as one subject. And I was with people who'd been studying it for three and crikey, it was hard. But I, I, just, I just found that sort of excitement uh, at, at college. Uh, and I remember actually the first time when I was at college reading a book that, and this will sound silly now, but my education up to then had been... Uh, I think largely speaking, you know, rote learning or just, you know, memorization, fairly traditional. Mm. I remember reading a book that just blew my mind. It was called um, The Meaning of Anxiety. And it just placed mental illness in a social context. I remember thinking, whoa, is this, I've never, I've never thought of that. And, and the guy mm. who's writing the book doesn't have all the answers. He's asking me these questions. And, and I mm. felt like I was talking to him. And I remember thinking, that's the sort of book I wish I'd been reading for years. So, anyway, so I say all that just just to say that that's that's a really important part of my background. Actually, I kind of regard that as more important than the than the particular schools or the particular countries I've worked in. Although yeah. I've worked in a few countries and consulted in many schools, you know. But that that's a I think really informed how I think about education when I look back now. I currently I'm at um you know the UW United World College uh, movement, which is 18 schools worldwide. Um, you know, and it's it's got a inspirational mission about peace and the sustainable future. I'm sure I'll say more about that later on. I'm at United World College of Southeast Asia in Singapore, which is the the biggest of the 18 schools and colleges. It's got 5,500 students. Uh, It's 50 years old this year, which is why we've just had the first day of our forum to celebrate coming of 
coming half of age. Half century. That's yeah. the right word. <laughs> half century, halfway there. And, um, you know, I'm currently the head of one of our campuses in Singapore. So uh, that's a bit about me, really. Yeah, fantastic. And let me just go back to that very first bit, because I think, you know, of, of the um, sort of introductions I've, I've done in all of the shows, you know, I very much, you know, whilst all of the journeys of teachers and, and leaders that I've spoken to have been very different, I think you're the first to kind of really give your kind of almost philosophy, really, of how you, our reflection on how almost the, your, your, your school experience didn't really fit you, perhaps, maybe, in, in, in that sense, it sounds like. Yeah, that, that's a really interesting observation. I, funny, I, I would never have said it like that, because I was happy at school. Mm. Uh, I enjoyed it. But actually, now you say it like that, Dorian, maybe that's exactly right. Maybe I was happy despite what was actually fairly, like, nothing against my teachers. They were good people and, <laughs> and I got on with them very well. But, you know, I did, I did the traditional, wrote, you know, the GCSEs and I did traditional A-levels. And mm. actually the stuff I did that was extra, to be honest, I think I was lucky because I bumped into people and, and I sort of, I, I did things that weren't necessary at school. Uh, mm. I, I had, I had, I had many opportunities because of the people I met and I was lucky. And I suppose in my work now, what I try and do is say to myself, I don't want the kids to fall into these things by luck. I think we should be offering these things because yeah. they were formative for me. And I think they should be formative for our children. So, so I want to build them in. So in that sense, I think you're probably right. The education wasn't right for me. I was just lucky enough to manage to get the experiences, which I hope now can be bread yeah. and butter for our kids. Yeah, and I think that's a fantastic point, particularly in the international school community. You see extracurricular programs, you know, very wide and broad, all sorts of activities being offered. And, and I think that those ideal, you know, the, the experiential side uh, of, of education has certainly become a much more significant part of the, the, the bandwidth, I guess, of, of, of what the curriculum the curriculars uh, students experience so um, so yeah it's, it's interesting isn't it how you know I guess learning hasn't really changed that much over you know over time but actually experience perhaps school experience has um, and, and and they've I, I don't know is, is the word of evolved correct there I'm not sure have they evolved have they I guess that suggests that they've gotten better than they were maybe we're going too, yeah. too deep into it too early here <laughs> yeah that, but I mean that's a great question I mean I you know, we, I think as educators ourselves, it would be very self-serving of us to critically say, oh, well, education's got better. It's, of course it's got better. Mm -hmm. I mean, I actually think it probably has, but I don't want to accept that easily. I mean, when I look mm -hmm. at my schooling, although I was happy, I was what we would now call beaten as a kid quite regularly um, mm -hmm. because I was a naughty boy, uh, <laughs> certainly as a youngster. And, and it was perfectly acceptable for a slap across the face. That was fine. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think we have got better. I think we have grown from that. I think I was expected, I remember, you know, I remember one subject I was made to memorize really meaningless trivia, the population of British towns in the 1950s. Wow. I was made to memorize them and regurgitate them in a test. Can you now, still remember I, them? I really think, no, right. <laughs> I couldn't at the time. I couldn't at the time. And I really think we've, we've come on. I really believe yeah. we've come on. But at the same time, as I say, I, I don't want to accept that as mean, uh, 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 uncritically. Uh, we've got a long way to go. We've, of course, sure. we've got a long way to go and we'll always have a long way to go. But I, I really do think that things have evolved, actually. I, I really do. And I think that's also a really nice sort of segue into the, 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 the main part of the show as well, because we're going to be talking today about the, the, the main themes of the, uh, of, of the forum, learning to shape the future. So um, and there's sort of a question coming a little bit later as well, asking, you know, how you've kind of arrived at those, th those themes themselves. But um, let me just just before we get there. Um, 
if I'm right, you, you originally started at UWC SEA um, way back when, um, and you yeah. returned in, uh, in 2012. So you've been there for, I guess, nearly well, about well, 10, 10 years in, in your second innings, I suppose. Um, Correct. What was it that compelled you to kind of uh, come back? Because sometimes, you know, I don't, I, I don't know, um, sometimes going back somewhere where you've already been it can be a little bit uh, different because it's not the same as what it was first time, but there must be something really that kind of uh, attracted you back. Yeah, that's a great question. And yeah, it's funny, isn't it? It's kind of, uh, the, the, it, it's funny to think that I joined the school in the last millennium. That makes it sound very, <laughs> uh, very, very dramatic, although it's true. Mm. But yes, I think you're right. You know, you, it, there's, there's elements of what you said there on both sides. You can never step in the same river twice, right? It's always mm. changed since you come back. <laughs> but at the same time, there are things that, that are the same. And I, I think I can say that I was really shaped and inspired by my first few years at UWCSEA Dover campus right. um, and while you know everything's imperfect there's nothing that's perfect mm. I think it had the right aims beliefs aspirations and after many schools which were good schools you know and I've got nothing against this, the other places I went to for me for me personally mm. they didn't have the same vision the same aspiration mm. and you know I don't know you don't want to sound too too philosophical about it in a sense but you just think where do you want to spend your time on earth? What, what do you want to spend your time doing? And you know, I, I, I looked back and I thought that this was, I think I did my best work at that school. I think it brought out the best in me. I think I was able to make the contribution I wanted to make. And so when a second campus opened, it was the chance to, and this, this perhaps speaks to your point directly, to return to the place I loved and it shaped yeah. me as a teacher, mm. but also to, to help a growing school. It was a startup at the time. To, yeah. you know a second campus to set the culture the ways of working it was just unmissable and you know honestly with the colleagues that I've been privileged to work with humbled to work with uh, mm. and I really mean that um, being in at the start of East Campus has been a highlight of my work life for sure so wow. I think yeah. I've got the best of both worlds by going home and also doing something new uh, and I'm very yeah. lucky to have had that. Fantastic. And, and, and I mean, what a huge undertaking it would have been and the um, immense amount of work it would have taken, you know, to start, you know, I think um, it, it sounds very, very idealistic some way to be able to start, you know, from the bottom uh, and create your own school as, as you, you know, uh, in line with your vision. But, you know, laced with that is an incredible amount of work and incredible, incredible amount of um, uh, th thought and effort and 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 struggle I think as well so um, you know it, it, and and as you said at the very beginning of the interview you know the, the school's grown to over sort of 5,000 students now so um, you know it certainly seems that there's that, that there's been a good uh, a, a great deal of success actually which you've achieved since, since you've been there um, and 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 so uh, with those sort of 10 years under your belt as it were um, could you then give us a, an idea, give our listeners, so we've got a large amount of our listeners are, are based in the UK, but we do have many across the world as well. But uh, those of you that perhaps maybe that haven't heard of, of, of UWC, the, the United World Colleges as well, uh, could you give us a flavour of, of, of what the educational philosophy is? It sounds like from what you've what you've said uh, previously is that you know the schooling didn't quite fit for you as a student but you've kind of almost found your ikigai as a uh, as a teacher you found that place that really sort of special place uh, where you really feel that you feel comfortable you want to spend time and you can thrive so um so give us a little give us a little idea of what the philosophy is of of, of uwc um and particularly i guess to um sea as well yeah thank you uh so let 
Well, let me give you a story, which was the founding of the United World Colleges movement, of which the first one, by the way, is in Wales, in uh, Atlantic yes. College on, on, on the coast. So not a million yes. miles from most of your listeners, probably. Um, yeah. I mean, the, the story is a really inspirational one. Uh, there's, a, there's a legendary figure in international education, Kurt Hahn, who was an Austrian Jew um, working in Germany in the Second World War, just before the Second World War. And he, you know, he'd been imprisoned uh, for his outspoken beliefs. And I think, you know, he read the writing on the wall and decided to leave Germany at the time and start a school, Gordonston School in, in, in Scotland. Yeah. Anyway, long story. He did many things. He started <laughs> helped start the IB eventually, started the Duke of Edinburgh. But the interesting thing about, about the UWC movement is that years later after the war, I think it was the 50s, so I can't remember the exact detail, he was in a conference at NATO and he was sitting in a room with German officers and British officers. And he could see them getting on with each other and, and, yeah. and actually collaborating well. And he looked around and he thought, had these people known each other as children, what would the history of the world have been? Would we have had the same experience just a few years ago, the, the horrors of the Second World War? And from that sort of you know, epiphany that he had came the United World College movement that you bring people together at their formative years. Yes. And they don't, you know, they don't just understand each other. They understand themselves, that they, that they engage with difference. They come to an understanding of who they are as people. And they, they avoid these nationalistic, um, simplistic, dehumanizing narratives that still exist around the world. I mean, you don't need to look very far, frankly, mm. to find it. Mm. And, and that's really one of the driving stories that drives the whole United World College movement. Um, and, and we really feel that it's bringing people together and it's celebrating the difference while also acknowledging the common humanity and searching within you for what it is in yourself that matters to you and coming to know yourself and what matters to you through interacting with people who are different to you. And that, that's a fundamental belief behind the United World Colleges and it's the fundamental inspiration behind, uh, behind all 18 schools and colleges. Um, so to speak specifically, I suppose, to, to sort of, you know, UWCSEA, um, and, and, you know, I, I won't speak for the others, but we, we all share more than, we, more than you know, keeps us apart. Mm. Um, you know, we believe in holistic education, so we have five elements to our programme. So we have academics, but we don't call the other things co-curricular. It's all part of our learning programme. So we have academics, we have activities, which might be sports or drama or many things. Uh, we have personal and social education, which we'll probably talk about later, about knowing yourself. Yeah. We have service, because you only really discover who you are in service of others, is our belief. Mm. And we also have outdoor education, because we know that you know, connection to nature is absolutely essential. We are natural beings, and we can't be divorced from the, the natural world. So we have those five elements, and, and that's a fundamental part as well of who we are. And if you put those together... Those five elements, therefore, um, are the vehicle through which we try and address our mission, which is to, uh, to make education a force to unite peoples, nations and cultures for peace and a sustainable future. And that's, that's straight from heart. That's what he wanted. So and it's a, a very it's ambitious, ambitious as well. Yes, a very, yeah. exactly, exactly what I said. There is a very ambitious philosophy, but you know, it's that Pygmalion effect, isn't it? You know, we want to really kind of set out, set uh, from from yes. an education system as high standards as possible, so that we all kind of rise uh, rise to those ideals. And I, I really like that that idea of kind of you know holistically looking at the individual student and and a, and a, 
facilitating the uh, their journey almost and finding their place in the world and finding their self, isn't it? And I think as you articulated there, those kind of five um, strands, if you like, uh, are many and varied opportunities for them to for them to do that. So, yeah, and 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 Kurt Han is the the head, hand, and heart uh, philosophy, yeah. isn't it? That's where that comes. From. Yes, yeah. I remember. Oh, he's he's got he's got many many memorable quotes. Uh, yeah. uh, yes, that sort of thing. Yeah, opening Brilliant. hearts, opening minds, opening eyes, that sort of thing. Yeah, he's he was he was a really. I mean, these some some of these things are sort of really relatively commonplace these days. But when he was mm. saying those things back in the thirties and the forties and the fifties, they were really different. They were really different, and, and yes. I think he's inspired many of the uh, many of the organisations that now exist. He'd look back proud. I think. Absolutely. Fantastic. Well, well, let's bring ourselves a little bit now um, back to the sort of the modern day. Thank you so much for, um, for for giving us a very kind of uh, vivid picture of of you and 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 who you work for and why you why you work uh, at UWC SCA. Um, we'll 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 bring our attention now to the to the conference itself, which has been been going on uh, today and will be tomorrow as well. Uh, and the reason why I sort of picked picked up uh, on uh, on the conference was because I I thought again that it had this very kind of uh, ambitious strapline to kind of uh, you know, identify these the, the, these five areas in which we should all be um, foraging forward on, if you like, to try to really kind of shape the future of education uh, for years to come. Um, so, so, so the title of the of of the conference is "Learning to Shape the Future." Could you could you give us a quick idea about? I mean, you. You've mentioned uh, a few points already about kind of where this came about, but could you could you let us know where this idea kind of came from uh, and and why you settled on those five particular themes? Sure, sure. Yeah, I mean, you know, we were celebrating our 50 years in Singapore this year, and we didn't want it to be just a celebration of the past, although we're immensely proud of what our students and our colleagues and our families have achieved. But we wanted to try and sort of encapsulate the thinking that we've done and begin to sort of convene and curate conversations about the future of education, because mm. we know it's changing. We know that we're at a cusp point for many reasons in the world. So, you know, what we want to do is you know, educate people for a peace and a sustainable future. So, so learning to shape the future was the theme because we want learning that will shape the future. But we also wanted to recognize that we, as long as everyone, as, along with everyone else, we're still learning how to do that. It's not like mm. anybody's got the answers here. So, you know, when we thought about the future, then the, the themes came naturally. Peace and sustainability are part of our mission. So they were obvious. Yeah. Innovation is just a necessity uh, uh, in the modern world. You know, you'll innovate whether you want to or not, just to stand still, frankly. So mm. we know mm. that we're having to innovate and change. We know we want to be more inclusive for many reasons. It's an area of growth for us. And we know that partnerships points to the fact that we can't do this alone, that any future yes. has to involve us all. So, you know, what we've learned from just looking at, you know, anything to the climate change as an obvious example, nothing can be done by individual actors, right? It's, it's got to be groups. It's got to be partners. So, uh, so that, that's really where the five themes came from. And actually, they seem yeah. quite natural when we start to think about it. Yeah, absolutely. I like that idea as well. Is that the the, the purpose of the of the forum is to curate the conversations, get the conversations going, um, and 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 yeah, and show that there is agency in the in the students of today um, being part of that 
shaping really um and so getting the the conversations and getting the the, the language and and understanding of some really kind of quite deep and complex issues when you're thinking about across the world across culture across religion you know um there's really some kind of quite um uh challenging obstacles uh in the way for us to to, to kind of to be successful here and you know um I love that because I think that I think it's in Martin Robson's Trivium book where he says that, you know, education is written by the educated, you know, sort of showing that, you know, the, whereas actually here we're trying to kind of shape education and get a almost a holistic kind of everyone, everyone's got a seat at the table and something to contribute to this. Regard. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Wow. Fantastic. OK, um, so uh, obviously. In, in the in, in the time that we have, um, um, you know, each of those five themes that you mentioned there are just uh, are many and varied, and each of them are a show plus plus, I think, on their own. Um, but um, you know, what I would like to ask them, perhaps, maybe if you were if you were try to um, let me try to rephrase this a second. <laughs> um, of the five themes that you've that, that you've mentioned there how do they play out how, how are they um lived and not laminated how are they um uh, threaded through the curriculum at uwc sea yeah that's a great question and that's that's the thing the thing that we give an awful lot of time to and I, there's a few things in that in that i'd say really which is first of all all of those all of those themes depend on certain mindsets and certain values so you know when we look at our values you know or, and we have articulated certain values that we want to, you know, foreground, self-awareness, compassion, critical thinking, collaborate, whatever. You know, we've, we've got our list of values. Those really are, are fundamental, sort of the bedrock on which all of this is built. And there is a sense in which, in which I believe that but you focus on the values and you, you, you have to gesture towards some of these areas because you can't just teach kids to be good partnership, you know, that partnership is important. Yeah. They have to live yeah. it, they have to feel it. Mm. So a lot of this really comes down, I think what you said is right there, it's got to be threaded, not just through the curriculum, but it's got to be threaded through our policies, through our practices, through how we use language, through how we set up our structures, to, 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 to all these things. So, um, I mean, okay, I'll give you a couple of examples mm. um, that are perhaps broader than the curriculum. So as a K-12 school, you know, one of the things that we're very lucky about and you know, I know lots of schools do this, um, is very intentional about making sure that our older students spend time with our younger students because the, the, the older students are role models to the younger students and the younger students are reminders to the older students that there is another generation coming and they have a duty to look after other people. And it sounds simple and it is relatively simple and, and you can just do this thing about putting them in the same room and giving them activities or you can really explicitly explain to them why are we doing this? What are our beliefs about putting you in the same room? And then getting them to sort of, you know, sometimes rather skeptical 17 or 18 year olds go, yeah, okay, I'll go and spend some time in input school. But afterwards, <laughs> when you say to them, it was our intention to remind you, first of all, that you were that young mm. and you're growing up and, and to remind you and to think, what's your duty to the next generation? Just like we teachers feel we have a duty to you. What's your duty to the next generation? And how does that play out in your life? So it's not that we do anything necessarily, although we might yeah. do a few things, but it's not necessarily that we do things that differently to other schools, I think. You know, many schools are trying to do the same thing. But one of the things that we take some pride in, I think, is that we're very intentional about what we're doing. And we say, yeah. how does this activity contribute 
to students' understanding of themselves, their place in the world, and the fact that they have a responsibility to peace and a sustainable future. So, yes. so that, that's a big piece. It's just embedding it in, in everything. I'll give you another example. Um, you know, what we, what we try and do, and yeah, this is a bit of a controversial one, if you like, but we have a, our discipline approach really relies on self-discipline and, and less on rules than on values. So we don't stress, you know, you have to do this or you can't do this. I mean, a, a phrase that I've used many times, which was told to me by a previous head, which was inspiring, was when the kids ask what the rules are, you say, if it's not illegal, immoral or antisocial, then it's probably OK. Oh, <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> and I thought that would that that really spoke to someone. So when someone says, what are the rules? You don't give them the answer. Then they have to say to themselves, oh, so is what I'm doing illegal? Is it immoral? Is it antisocial? It means they mm. have to think about, first of all, what are the facts about the world? Is it illegal? Mm. Is it antisocial? But also they have to think about, hmm, what, what does antisocial really mean? If it's just a joke, is that antisocial? Mm. You know, these things that teenagers mm. deal with. So yeah. I, I think what we try and do is really put the fact that these values have to underpin everything, but not ram them down their throats. I don't want kids saying, I've been principled today. I'm going to be compassionate today. I, I, I want them to live it <laughs> yeah. and to think about it without necessarily yes. using the words. And I, I, think, I think that's one of the things that we've really tried to do successfully uh, in terms of creating the culture. I just wrote that very word down, uh, culture, because that's exactly um, what it is, isn't it? It's creating a culture where you, there's this all, there's this this trust um, and the relationships between teachers and leaders and and, and students. You know, you're moving away from the, from the buzzwords, and you know, because I think that's that, that there's a tendency to fall into that. Like you said, you know, I'm being compassionate. I'm being this tick box. Um, we yes. reward yes. systems associated to it, this, that, and the other. But what you articulated there in terms of you know, what, I, what I took from the first example you gave was this idea um, of, you like you said, that you haven't done much, but what you have done is you have a ring fence time for that interaction to happen. Um, and you've had to take that time from something else. So there's a prioritization task almost in there to say, okay, if we want to release these older students to, to, to spend time with the younger students, because we think it is incredibly important part of the values part of the, the, the strands then 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 what you know what good stuff do we have to stop doing so we can do better stuff to borrow from from Dylan there um and and yeah and there's discipline one as well I think that you know it almost sounds a little bit kind of uh tie-dye and, and and tree huggy doesn't it just kind of just let them you know do you do you have a, a fence at the top of the cliff or an ambulance at the bottom uh <laughs> you know, but, but 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 if you've built that kind of understanding over time and this is why the culture it's so important I think this this building of culture over time then then you can give the you can make the the, the, the ring fence uh, the fence bigger you can give give students more uh, freedom almost because you have that trust and faith in them that they uh, will ask themselves those questions. Yeah, I think that's right. And I, and I think, you know, look, I'm not, I'm not going to paint the perfect picture here. You know, we know that students, you know, teenagers particularly will make mistakes. They'll take risks that turn out to be ill-advised, you know, and, and you know, I did it as a child. I'm sure you did as a child. And we recognize that, that, you know, it's okay. We mm. often talk about, don't we, you know, if, if you read, you know, the, 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 the business disruption press, you talk about failing fast and learning from your mistakes and iterative. And yet at the same time, we read this idea that we have to protect kids from all risks and we have to stop them making mistakes. And, you know, failure is not an option. 
But actually, no, it's just not true. There, if, if we stop kids failing, if we stop them taking risks, that is a guaranteed failure in itself because they'll never have experienced what it's like to wrestle with decent problems, really problems to which they have to find the answers. But that's what, that's what their adult life is gonna face them with. We have yeah. to give them safe, safe ways of making those mistakes at school. Now, just as, you know, to answer your point about the ambulance, of course, there is no compromise on safety standards, of course. But, yeah. but there are many other ways to give kids those experiences of making mistakes. I mean, kids are very ingenious and find all sorts of ways to make mistakes. And they're great fun when they make them. You know, we, if we approach it positively, it's an opportunity for them to think about it, reflect, have a chat, for us to reflect as adults on what we did wrong as kids and share it with kids, make a connection. Mm. I think, I think this, is, this is what school should be about, really. Yeah, I agree. I think the... Uh... I think what you're saying it's pre education is preparation for, for for the future, isn't it? I think, and uh, uh, but as you said, uh, in a, in a safe and controlled environment, you know, you know, they are the they should be seen as the, the safe places to fail, um, exactly. Uh, you know, uh, and and have and learn these experiences um, when they're there. Um, right, we are um, hurtling towards. I think we're sort of past midpoint now uh, here, Nick. Um, absolutely fascinating so far. Um, we're going to dig a little bit more into the into the ins and outs of the uh, of the conference as well um so uh, if we just take a, a quick two minute break for the news and we'll be back on the other side this is teachers talk radio and this is teachers talk radio news with gail glenn in bath a new 10-week scheme has been launched to encourage children to become care home friends. It is aimed at children aged 5 to 14. The scheme has been introduced by care home friends and neighbours and is funded by Dunhill Medical Trust, the National Lottery Community Fund and the Department for Digital, Culture, Media and Sport. Director of My Home Life England, Tom Owen said, Intergenerational work can boost children's self-esteem, broaden their worldview and improve empathy and understanding of others. Both children and older people can get so much out of a relationship with each other, but their contact can be very limited. This project helps to build links with care homes, a part of the community schools might not otherwise engage with and equally helps care homes feel more connected to their local community. We've seen so much joy, fun and energy in all our local projects and we hope our Become a Care Home Friend Challenge will spread this even further. In Northern Ireland, Article 4 of the Education Order 1998 enables teachers to use force to stop pupils engaging in disruptive behaviour. This legislation is out of step with the United Nations standards on corporal punishment and a recent review has recommended that this should be repealed at the earliest legislative opportunity. Rachel Hogan the Children's Law Centre's Special Education Needs Representative said, There can be no doubt that the existing framework and guidance has led to instances where the human rights of vulnerable children have been seriously violated. 
the grievous impact this has had on the children affected, as well as their parents and carers, has now been brought into the public domain and acknowledged. Michelle McElveen, Education Minister, has said she endorses the recommendations in her department's report. This has been your latest Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. Live from Qatar, this is The Morning Break with Dorian Brown on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. And welcome back to the Friday morning break. I am Dorian Brown and you are joined here in the studio by Nick Elkin. And we have just had a fantastic conversation uh, about the uh, forum, which is going on currently at UWC SEA. Uh, and we identified five sort of key areas, five key themes, which are which are kind of um, laced uh, in the in the uh, in the forum. Uh, and our, and the objective of them really is to kind of start to to curate these conversations and start to think about how everybody can have a role and everybody can have a, a, a say and a contribution. Uh, to towards this kind of peaceful and sustainable future. Um, so, Nick, if I could just ask you then, uh, if uh, you know over the two days you've uh, got a number of uh, sort of keynote speakers, etc. Um, it's no mean feat, I know, to kind of organise these sorts of things, getting everybody all together in one place, and obviously it's all happening uh, on campus there, uh, as well as accessible online as well, which is absolutely phenomenal to be able to kind of sort, I know, I can imagine all of the, the tech of live streaming and all of that, all of that, uh, uh, stuff. So, um, could you, you know, could you let us know how, how easy it was to kind of get people on board? And I, I reckon I, we could perhaps maybe cover speakers themselves, but also actually the people that kind of helped you, your team really to help organize the event. Yeah, thank you. I mean, that's a great question. You know, when you put on these kind of events, you always have those nerves thinking, oh, will we get people? Will people be interested? But actually, you know, when we reached out and said, hey, you know, would anybody like to share what they're doing? We were just overwhelmed with so many great ideas. And, you know, I think we've ended up with something like 60, 60 things going on, which is a lot for a conference, right? For, you know, we're not a, we're not a conference days, giving yeah. organization. <laughs> we're just a school. You know? Yeah. But as we approached, you know, we thought, oh, we wish we'd drawn the line at 20, you know, with all the, but actually, you know, it's a great problem to have that, that there's enough really fabulous things happening that people want to share them with the world. And that, you know, we, we, we heard what people wanted to say, say and we thought, you know, what, why should we stop anybody talking about their brilliant projects? So it's a great problem. And we're, we're, we're happy as well as the sort of, you know, the high profile keynotes that people will have heard of, you know, Howard Gardner, um, Andrea Schleicher and so on. Um, we've got students speaking. We've got parents, teachers, alumni, partners, and they're all around those five themes. Um, you know, in terms of the, the team supporting, I mean, I'm I'm humbled, honestly, and and blessed by a team. You know, my colleagues, Tina, Amin, Kate, Sinead, uh, Alia, uh, others, I'm sure who I'm afraid, you know, I, I, I won't have to, to hand. But, you know, they've just done an amazing job on top of the on top of the day job, so to speak. And, and we're, we're just sure. we're just so happy that with the first day and we're so excited about tomorrow. Yes. And it's just amazing when all these things kind of, you know, uh, God willing, all sort of come together. And, and it, you know, I, I'm sure there's there's there, there would have been a few challenges today. And, I'm, you know, it really is the kind of the, you know, the, the, the 
like as you said, the people that have been working with you shows how fantastic they they are when when all these things come together and you're able to kind of approach these challenges, uh, uh, which seem relatively easy, but absolutely are not. And I think it says a lot about another word we'll return to is culture. Um, I love when you said that you had so many people willing to share and and and, and contribute to to it, which 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 says a lot about culture, but also significant amount about community as well people wanting to share yeah. people wanting to to be part of something and, and and it shows their belief uh in 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 what in in, in what you're doing there so so amazing um but let, let me um let me also kind of bring a, a sort of a, a challenge to you on this uh, on this front here and think about you know we had cop 26 in november last year for example uh you know there's a lot of talking um uh, and i think it's fair to say that the, the outcomes, then the next steps, et cetera, have been far rather muted since then um, uh, or, or below expectation, should we say. Uh, so after holding such a, a, a fantastic forum of lots of conversations, how do you envisage those conversations becoming action um, or, or indeed those conversations to continue after tomorrow? Yeah. Oh, thanks. That, that's really important, isn't it? Because if, if, if the conversation is just conversation, then it's just at the end of the day, hot air. It is just conversation. So, yeah. I mean, I think at one level, the answer to that is, is, is easy. All the things that we're doing at the forum, all the things that are being demonstrated, they're, they're not put on for the forum. They're all the projects that were happening anyway at school. So yeah. there is a sense in which, you know, once we've had the pleasure of sharing them with the world and, and, and listening and, 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 you know, collaborating as a community, it's back to business as usual in that, these are the projects we're doing. doing we're yeah. looking at sustainability. We're, we're actually, you know, in the middle of a project, for example, saying, you know, as and when COVID restrictions leave, they're still there in Singapore a bit and in the region. What should we restart? What should we not restart? How do we get to, how do we get to net zero? Oh, these projects are ongoing anyway. And, and I hope that this project will, sorry, this forum will just give a boost to these projects and we'll actually hear and put people in the rooms to hear about all these dozens of projects going on. We're, we're such a big school uh, that sometimes we don't even know what's happening at the other campus or in other parts of the school. And this will give us a chance to really foreground it. And I hope it will actually accelerate the work we're already doing. So uh, it's lovely to yes. celebrate our 50th birthday, but this, this is really a birthday bash, you know, but the, 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 it's a party, so to speak. But yeah. The work is going on. The work is happening. So that's the, that's the really exciting bit, to be honest. That's fantastic. Yeah, I love I love that because that's that speaks that it's it's essentially an opportunity for students uh, to showcase uh, everything which they already do do, and I think getting um, inspiration uh, from people, you know, from your keynote speakers, etc. You know, and and showing that actually what they are doing on a local scale, what they're doing practically, has those kind of worldwide significance you know has that you know so it also yeah. allows allows everybody i guess to connect dots as well um and and, and show how all of these things are very much um either you know sort of systems thinking aren't they everything their little their little unit is part of a much bigger picture yeah and i think you know although that, that's absolutely right yeah and perhaps you know perhaps they'll keep on going their ways but i also hope that there are perhaps new synergies, new ideas about bringing people together that will happen just because, you know, you put interested people in a room together, good things will happen. Yes. And I'll give you one little example. One of the projects that's been showcased is that it's called the Music and Dementia Project. So, you know, like many schools, we have a, a local service where some of our students go and work with uh, an Alzheimer's patient's home. 
and that's a, that's a very good service and people go and they do good work. Over COVID, because it was hard to visit, they, you know, they had a bit of time to reflect and think, what, what would be the best thing we could actually help out? You know, what, how, what, looking at the, the patients in the home, what, what do they need? And we got talking to them, to the, to the, the people in the home. And actually what we realized was that they love music because we know that you know, music connects with a different part of the brain. And so we, we spent time curating playlists to get ready. And we know how old the patients are and we know what languages they speak. So we can actually try and find the songs that would recap, reconnect them with their childhood. And you see, you know, if you've ever seen the movie Awakenings, you see really moving. You play the right song and, and people who are fairly catatonic come alive yes. and they start moving. And it's, it's really, it moves people to tears. It's really moving. Yeah. Yeah. So, so then we thought, you know, th then we began to think about innovation, one of our themes. And we thought, suppose actually we could somehow connect with Spotify or something like that. And if we knew that they liked this song, we could have other songs recommended because we had an app that would look at, that would look at the, you know, the genre, the language, the style of music. And so out of that has developed this project, which is trying to, actually connect with the big tech companies and develop uh, an app whereby you say, yes, this person likes this song and, 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 it, and it does that. Now, if this works, this isn't just gonna be for our local service in Singapore. This is gonna be something that Alzheimer's patients around the world could share. So we're looking at, and when you think about what that looks like, that's understanding both music and, and how important it is to these, these, these patients at the home it's sitting with them and, and, and trying to understand how, how things link together. It's listening to what they need. And then it's going away and trying to figure out a good solution. And that is gonna be scalable globally if it works. I mean, it's, so, it's such an exciting project that I give you there. Uh, and yeah, yeah, who knows what will come it. out when we present that to people. And they may have other applications that we're completely unaware of. So that's a yeah. really exciting project. Sounds, for example. Sounds phenomenal, yeah. And, and I'm sure you know, in your service program, you've got, you know, a whole host of 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 very similar to, to to a degree and i think there's these ones particularly the ones in the kind of the tech industry um you know re, rather kind of i don't want to say sort of untapped resource because obviously there's lots of lot, lots of sort of tech going on right now but i think it kind of un underpins exactly what you said about innovation the fact that you know if we want to kind of create uh yeah, you know evolve i guess we have to innovate right and and, and if we want to be able to be more because it, it that crosses over with your DEI as well, doesn't it? It crosses over with inclusion. It crosses over, you know, I, I suppose these five strands are, are intertwined very much so, right? Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And, you know, in this example, what, what, what this project does is it brings some of the service folk into the tech world. It brings some of the tech folk into the service world. Yeah. It connects us with the local, with, with Spotify or whichever, you know, social media company you want to work at. It connects yeah. us with local developers. It connects us with the local Alzheimer's patients. You know, yeah, it, it, it does all of these things. So it's all just really helping make the world a better place. We'll yeah. use these five labels, but it all comes down to the same thing at the end of the day. And all of this from an idea of one or a group of students, perhaps, you know, that were given the opportunity to, uh, to kind of, you know, do some, do some service. And, and, and yes, yeah, so that's absolutely beautiful. Um, well, keep, let, keep us uh, keep us abreast of the uh, of the global uh, the app empire there, uh, Nick, if you will. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, um, let's uh, let's now, if, if I may. Um, I know this is really mean to do this, I think, um, but of your of, of your five themes which you've got, uh, which of those five, if you really had to gun to head, choose which one you think is the most important um, and why? Yeah. So that's the. That's the question that you never want to answer, right? Okay, but if I had to answer it, 
I, I'd go with sustainability uh, and I'd go with it because two reasons. It, like, it's clearly the existential issue of our time. It's, it's the problem that it is, it's facing us all. It's facing us all and it will face the next generations far more starkly than it faces us. Yeah. But I think actually, I think sustainability is an umbrella issue here. If we look at what all the other, you know, if we look at peace, you know, if peace isn't sustainable, well, you know, then it's not peace. If a peace is going to end in a year or two, it's not really peace. It's just the, it's just the quiet before the war or yes. the quiet before the trouble. <laughs> um, you know, and, and if partnerships aren't sustainable, they're not really partnerships. They're just temporary liaison, um, you know, and, and so on and so forth. So I, for me, sustainability is the issue that it's the lens through which we want to approach everything. Can we build things that will last? You know, are they, are they, are they going to stand the test of time? You know, it's it's a it's a it, we don't have just a sort of a a passing fad. We we want to yeah. build things of value, and that means they'll last. So I think sustainability for me is probably the big one. Oh, fantastic! I um, I've, I think there must be about five or six shows that I've done all circled on sustainability. So that's good for me. If you, if you think that's an important one, and it sounds like I'm on the right path as well with hosting some of my shows. Um, and I hadn't thought about that before, as you said. You know, if if the if the others were not sustainable, then 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 they're not what they are. I love that kind of that that look at that, that look at it. Um, you know, because each of those things, it's all very well getting to, you know, it's, it's like fitness, isn't it? It's getting to a particular fitness is great, but it's keeping that that level of fitness, isn't it? Which is um, the most important and, and often the most hardest part as well, actually. I think that's right. And, you know, we're really seeing, aren't we, the evolution of the, of the notion of sustainability. If you go back a decade or whatever, you know, it, it was it was the green agenda. And there's nothing wrong with the green agenda. It's fabulous. But actually, it's, it's not the only thing. It, it's looking at the world through a non-disposable lens, right? It's looking at the world over time and not a snapshot. And you know, we are creatures of time, the world is in time. So it's, it, it's gotta be a change in the way we look at things. We have to look over the long-term and then that also then clearly makes the links to systems thinking. It's a yes. system, the world is a system. So it has to be sustainable. It can't just be a one-off. And it's the most difficult thing to do, I think, uh, what you've just described there, trying to look at the long game, isn't it? You know, when you, we're all, as you said, we are, humans are, are also creatures of, you know, that instant gratification and we want to be able to kind of get results now and we want to be able to, you know, that short-term gain. And, you know, uh, it, it's so, so difficult. You know, when you look at, when students are looking at revision, you know, it's, it, it's very difficult to kind of revise, set, you know, early, you know, and get that, get that, get that process into place. Um, and and yes, and, and and so there has to be a kind of a huge systemic kind of change, doesn't there, to to how we we communicate, how we approach things, um, with that longer term, um, uh, longer term objective in mind, um, and and perhaps maybe that's why sustainability has been such a kind of tough nut to crack in schools almost. It's because you know so budgets run from year to year. You know, and you're having to make decisions, you, know, you make decisions in the short term and perhaps maybe without, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years uh, in mind. You know, it, it's idealistic almost to kind of say, well, we're going to invest in this now because in 10, 15 years time, this, this will, will, will reap the benefits. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, um, there's, a, there's another, there's a whole other show of this, isn't there? But I mean, this is a well-studied <laughs> area, right? You know, you've got the tragedy of the commons. You've got the fact that, you know, uh, electorates and governments are not set up for long-term thinking the structures yes. we have are short term yeah. there's no point in investing for 20 years if you know if you get out of power the yes. opposition will change what you've done so you know our structures are not set up that way if we could view our structures with a sustainability lens 
what's the mm. what form of governance what form of thinking will last then then we'd be we, we'd be on to a, a, a broader a broader solution set and i think that's what we're hoping for from the next generation isn't it you know clearly my generation i think you're a bit younger than me dorian my generation <laughs> has missed it but that's what we need for, it's what we need somebody some group to be doing we need to be yeah. educating people so they understand this and we'll vote for this and we'll yes. make it happen so it may be too late for us, but in fact, we can be part of the solution still. We have the capacity yes, to kind of guide exactly. and, and educate to, towards these decisions. And I do feel, you know, yes. just to kind of kind of finish up on that on, on that point, really, I do feel that progress has absolutely been made um, with sustainability in schools and education. You know, there are, you know, in, in, in the UK, they have a draft strategy now. I'm well, not sure if it's draft anymore. It may have been published, you know, where there has to be a... Uh, uh, you know, any new school has to be net zero, and 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 that we have to start looking at the kind of the processes of you know ordering uniforms and 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 the canteen areas. There's a, there's a lot more of a kind of an obligation now of schools to kind of think through that sustainability lens, and so we're making we're, we're making progress. And I think even um, I, I I'm on the, the the board of governors at my school, and 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 even that kind of greener governance pledge. Uh, it's now starting to kind of make its way into a lot of different schools as well. So, so exactly what you said that the, the structures need to be in place to be able to kind of uh, to to fertilize these the, 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 these thoughts and ideas. But it's got to be possible. And it, yes, I think you're right by saying it's the overarching governmental structures, but also with, from within as well. I think we can really kind of make a, a, a significant difference within as teachers and leaders, um, and 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 be the you know be the uh, uh, I don't want to say the the, the 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 beating heart of it because I feel that the that that the responsibility relies on more than just the education sector, um, but certainly we can be the the, the influencers yeah. if you like for one for a better word. Yeah, I think that's right, and you know, and I'm optimistic. You know, and I know we, you know reading the papers or or the news or whatever it can, can be a bit of a dispiriting uh, thing these days. But actually, you know, there is a lot of evidence that the good stuff that's not reported very often. You know, you've got Pinker's books and Hans Rosling's books. There is a lot of good stuff going on, and, and I'm optimistic. You know, I, I don't want to be naive. The, the future is open. You know, yeah. we have to create it, but I'm optimistic that we can do it. I really am. And I think the last 20 years have seen things get better in many respects and worse in other respects. And we need to be upfront about the, the good so that people don't become pessimistic. But we also need to be upfront about the bad and say we need to change it. We need to go into it knowing that we can change it. We can change it. It's just a case of will we? Yes, absolutely, and it, and what we've just been saying has been is very macro, isn't it? I think um, even on a even on a on a on an individual school basis, there's a lot a lot of things there um, to kind of digest, um, and I think lots of institutions and and schools and, and MATs uh, are all at various different levels on their journey in terms of sustainability. So, I mean, feel free to stick with sustainability on this question, but you can kind of obviously branch off into the, into the other four uh, strands there. Um, what would be your your advice to any teacher or leader listening um, as to uh, what what would a good starting point be uh, to kind of take the next step, if you if you will, with sustainability or or any of the others? Yeah, that's a great question, and, and you know the, the answer to that has to has has to be very very general because everyone's context is so different. Um, and I don't I, I, on this one, I, I would not concentrate actually on sustainability. I'd concentrate on partnerships. My advice here is actually, you know, inspired by, you know, reading people like Chomsky and so on. You know, I think the basic answer is connect with others. Just connect with people. You can't do it by yourself. You'll burn out. You'll be frustrated. And, and you know, you've just got no traction as an individual unless you're, you know, a very gifted person, which most of us aren't. 
So connect with other people. Uh, so many of us are doing this work. So many people have thoughts. So many people have resources. So many people have ideas. There are synergies available. And I think by connecting with other people, it's not just replenishing your own energy and um, resources. It's replenishing their energy. You become part of a coalition. You retain your moral identity and your moral um, imperative when you're with others in a way that it's hard to do by yourself. And I, and I think then once you've connected and you've tried to find out what others are doing and why, then, then it just comes down to the, the old story about like so much else in life. Lobby patiently and consistently. Don't give up. Half of the work is showing up. You know, right. know that change is complex. It's yeah. always slower than we think it is. Yeah. And the early adopters are often frustrated. That's okay. Be frustrated, but don't give up. Bring other people with you. Get up, speak when it's uncomfortable. Say the, yeah. say the thing that, you, that you'd rather not say because it's a little bit awkward. Um, yes. and, you know, and, and there will be a cost to it, but the cost to it you know, will be repaid amply by future generations. Uh, and I think the evidence, you know, there's so many quotes about this, about a small group of committed people mm. changing the world. It's the only mm. other thing that, ha that has done. Be the change you want to see in the world, whatever it is. I think that's what it is. Do it with other people and just do it. It's like being yeah. fit. Just it's turning up, Turn show up, up yeah. do the work. It's the hardest part. Yeah. Oh, Nick, that's so profound to kind of, uh, you know, how you've kind of put that. And I think I had visit, visions of listeners around the around the country just slowly rising up there as they're rising to the challenge, the gauntlet which you, which you were laying down to them there. It certainly, it certainly kind of echoes um, of, you know, of, of a few experiences I've had in, in sort of in my career where, yeah, just continuing to kind of beat the drum yourself you, you you get exasperated and you get you get uh, you run out of energy and you do need um that yeah you need to build partnerships you need to build relationships um and i think you know even though we spend you know a lot of the day with people we spend a lot of the day with students and so teachers ourselves we do we can feel quite isolated in that uh, in in that way um and so the school systems and policies etc have to kind of provide these opportunities for these communities and these and the, and these partnerships and therefore they need to put priority on that on, on, on those things almost and and, and empower um the uh the, their staff to be able to kind of uh to to build these partnerships um oh absolutely phenomenal um listening to that um okay let's just before we uh, we head off to the break uh, small question i've got i've got here um but uh, you can you can be as kind of brief or as elaborate with it as uh, as you wish. Um, so I notice on the on the scheduling for tomorrow, um, uh, Kishore Mabubani's keynote is called "Can the 21st Century Remain Peaceful?" Um, something I, when when I was looking at the keynote speeches, etc., I you know, obviously instantly felt uh, thought about uh, the current situation in Europe. Um, what to what extent do you think you know in advance of of, of Kishore's um, keynote there um to what to, to what extent do you agree that education is the key to geopolitical peace in this in our in our diverse world yeah small question there well first of all i'd say <laughs> i'd really just say Keyshaw is a fabulous speaker he was the chair of the un security council for a while oh. an ex-diplomat if anybody wants to listen in he's got always got something interesting to say please do tune in um yes. to answer your question to what extent is education the key that education is absolutely critical there's no doubt about that to my mind. But let's be clear here. It's not just any education. There are plenty of highly educated bad actors in the world. In a 1966 radio interview um, called Education After Auschwitz, 
you know, the philosopher Theodore Adorno said, uh, the premier demand on education is that Auschwitz does not happen again. Mm. And we know that the, the, the Holocaust happened because it was planned by highly educated people. Yeah. So education is not enough in itself. And, you know, I think us teachers, us educators, we have to be looking ourselves in the mirror and saying, is, are we giving the right education? Is it an education that exposes people to other human beings with all their weaknesses and frailties and all their glories? Uh, is it an education that allows students to see themselves with all their weaknesses and, and frailties and glories and, and see the essential humanity? Uh, mm. I, I'd love to think that students who've had an education for peace would never be able to commit atrocities. Mm. Uh, and I, I believe it because, because I think there are many people who never would. And sometimes it happens by accident. But I think for us now, living today, we need to make sure it happens on purpose, not just by accident. Yes. So I, I really believe that with an education for peace, not just any education that is, that we can make a more peaceful, sustainable world. There'll be smaller, fewer small scale injustices, mm. fewer big scale injustices. And I think, you know, that's the way humanity has been headed for the last century. Uh, and the challenge is to maintain that. It's not a given. And it's not like yes. we've got it right. There are many injustices today that need to be fixed, of course. And it could all be reversed. This, nothing is a given. And we have seen, of course, in the last few years, substantial backsliding in many areas around the world with auto authoritarian governments of all, all types um, taking power. So I think we have to be intentional and systematic and we have to serve our next generation um, with, with education for peace. So, yeah. so I think, can it be peaceful? Yes. Uh -huh. Will it be peaceful? Well, that's up to us. We, we've got issues to face here. No pressure. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I, I concur. I think the um, I think you know, sort of the globalized world, you know, the, that has accelerated perhaps maybe issues as well. Perhaps maybe we've we've mixed and and, and gone across borders a lot quicker and a lot uh, easier than perhaps maybe we were able to prepare ourselves for. Maybe that's been a you know a, a, a bit of a sticking point perhaps. You know, because I think you know these the causes of conflict, you know, politics and religion and, and football and, you know, <laughs> all, all, all of these kind of, uh, the kind of the big triggers of, of, of conflicts perhaps are, um, are, are steeped in difference, aren't they? Are steeped in kind of lack of, uh, lack of agreement, lack of, uh, lack of inclusion. So, um, so it's so it's very interesting if we can kind of educate you know like you said i, I like that the right education because i originally when you first said that i said well who's to say what the right education is right um but then you kind of um, you, you you elaborated and then it kind of started to kind of ring ring a lot truer and i think i think um yeah that has to be that has to be global though doesn't it as well that has to be kind of globally uh accepted and agreed for for what you said for for the reason what you said you know for for there to actually be you know a lot fewer larger scale conflicts in the in in the world moving forward. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, and you put you know you, the question you asked there, you know, who's to say what's right? I mean, that's the great question, and I think we can't shy away from that. But to say what's right in this context, it's not just my opinion or just your opinion, but it's the experience of humanity over centuries. Mm. We have to look at what hasn't worked and say, well, that wasn't right. If it led to this outcome, that cannot have been right. What's a better yes. alternative? So I, I think sometimes. You know, if the liberals among us, of which I, I guess we're probably but two, two, two of them, Dorian, um, you know, we, we shy away from saying we have it right. Mm -hmm. And while I understand why we do that, we don't want to impose our ideas on others. 
but actually there are some ideas that 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 stand the test of time or or do not stand the test of time and we shouldn't be shy of, of saying actually there are better ways to do this let's stand up and try and find them together yes absolutely Oof. absolutely phenomenal kind of listening and, and kind of just chewing this over i hope listeners at home are thinking the same as well it's just absolutely just so interesting to kind of chew these things over and 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 discuss them it's a, it's a, it's a it's a hugely important issue and i think it just underlines how much of a challenge and how important it is for for, for us as teachers and leaders and, and in the education sector itself um, we've got a huge role to play we haven't we haven't just got to you know, to, to prepare this, to prepare prepare kids for for life beyond. We've kind of almost got these these societal obligations as well to ensure that that life that they are preparing them for exists. You know, <laughs> and and develop you know within them the dispositions that you know that 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 where they can be where they can live in a more sustainable, peaceful world. It's just uh, it's it's so true and and. and Wow, what a big job we've got! What a big job! Um, listen, Nick, we're, we're we're nearing the end. Uh, we're going to go to the uh, ads really quickly uh, for two minutes, uh, and then I've just got a couple of uh, closer questions for you at the end, if you wouldn't mind. I know we're a little bit over time, but if you wouldn't mind hanging around for a little while longer, uh, and we'll be no back problem. in a couple of minutes. Thank you. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Are you looking to take your phonics practice forward? Then Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised is the programme for you. Created by two schools with an excellent track record in phonics, Little Wondle Letters and Sounds Revised will help all children become readers and ensure no child is left behind. The programme offers complete support for your phonics teaching, alongside classroom resources and fully decodable readers from Collins Big Cats. To find out more, Follow at Letters Sounds on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram or join a free briefing by visiting littlewondelettersandsounds.org.uk Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure that Bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. Introducing Autism Aspirational Futures, a virtual SEN conference for parents and carers. Do you work with parents or carers of students with autism? If so, this free virtual conference from Witherslack Group can support them and you. Providing inspiring talks from leading experts, offering practical advice on supporting children and young people with autism and associated needs. This very special event will take place during Autism Acceptance Week and is sure to be an enjoyable occasion for everyone wanting to develop their knowledge, understanding and celebrate their children's amazing superpowers. Don't miss out. Register for free at witherslackgroup.co.uk today.
Willislack Group, the leading provider of schools and children's homes for children with special educational needs. Live from Qatar, this is The Morning Break with Dorian Brown. Welcome back to the Friday Morning Break. Me, Dorian Brown, joined by Nick Elkin and... I've just been blown away by this show, to be honest. It's just so great to just be sat talking and, you know, being philosophical, but also kind of being real as well and kind of realising how, you know, a number of the things that uh, uh, that we've talked about are just so uh, important uh, and so vital to us as teachers to kind of develop our own opinions and thoughts on. I think it's kind of, it may be remiss of us to kind of not think of our kind of wider, it's very easy, I think, for us to be very insular and think of our own little department or our own little classroom, etc. cetera. Uh, it's so easy to do that because of the, 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 the stresses and uh, that exist around the job. But if we can open up uh, and, and, you know, build these relationships and build these partnerships, you know, the education truly does, you know, from what we've been talking about, even in this short time, just have to have the capacity to really kind of you know, cheesily make the world a better place, but certainly, you know, <laughs> uh, to, to, to build those, those those peaceful and sustainable futures that we've been uh, referring to uh, regularly here. Um, so uh, let's uh, sort of wrap the show up now. It's been it's been absolutely uh, fantastic uh, uh, talking to you, Nick. But I wonder just before just before you go, would you be able to tell our listeners? Um, so the, the the forum's been on today, uh, and if I'm right, all of the all of those have all been sort of recorded, and they'll be kind of put onto a, a, a platform or something uh, for people to, to to read at a later date. We'll put links, any any such links in our show notes, of course. Um, but is, is it too late for people to sign up for tomorrow if they if they wanted to sign up tomorrow as well? Yeah, thanks, uh, Dorian. Uh, yes, it's been a pleasure talking. Um, no, it's not too late. Uh, if, if you if you look uh, online for our website, uwcsea.edu.sg, or look for UWCSEA on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, under the same name, then, then we can st there's still sign up available. So uh, we're very welcome, anybody who, who'd like to join. Uh, we're also going to put a whole load on our website over the next few weeks. We've got a section called All Our Big Ideas, which will have the webinars, the content, some white papers we're producing, some, um, some resources on, on educating for peace and so on. They're built out there. We want to share them. We want people to critique them. We want people to use them. So please just, you know, join us, join us join us love it and it's wonderful that, that that all five sort of themes uh when i'm sort of looking through the program notes you've got pathways so if there's one that you're particularly interested in you know it, it, you've curated that list of um of every kind of speech which is relevant so you know i wouldn't kind of the message wouldn't be to you know right so go away and take all these five and 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 and, and embed them go uh it's take one of them or take two of them and kind of you know kind of engage with them and have start these conversations with the with the person in the classroom next to you you know bring them to department meetings you know talk to them with your cast students you know uh, i think it really is that idea of just having those kind of organic conversations about uh you know the bigger picture thinking almost and or as you say the sort of your big ideas uh, which are things that uh, make up the uh, you know education, make up you know quality education. I think. Um, so uh, just to finish, then uh, Nick, uh, if uh, any other interested listeners that have you know that have been tuning into our conversation today would like to sort of continue the conversation and engage with you or or UWCSEA, could you give us an idea of how we can reach out to you? Yeah, sure. Thank you. Um, look, um, on my blog online, if you do a search for Nicholas Auction blog, you'll find it. That's a pretty good way to connect with me. I write, I try and write something every week about some of these ideas. Uh, I'm on Twitter, 
uh, my handle, I think you said you put in the notes, or just join in the college on social media. We've got lots of lots of stuff on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and so on. Just just chip in there, put, you know, make contact. We're, we want to keep the, the conversation going. Uh, we've actually got people that we devote to helping, you know, with people using peace resources around the world, for example. So we're very happy to connect with people and, and just partner, partnership. That's right. That's what it's all about. Hey, Re- reach out. Thank you. Amazing. And a great one. Great word. Key word to finish on there. I think I think I need to go and have a lie down after that. That's uh, that's been so, <laughs> but, you know, it, it can be quite tiring as well. But Nick, thank you so much for, for spending your time uh, with us. I know it's been very busy this day, so it's been absolutely phenomenal having you on the show. Um, and cheekily, I hope I can invite you back again sometime in the future. And maybe we can unpack one of those strands uh, in a little bit more of granular detail if you're up for that. Definitely. Love to come back. Thanks for talking, Joran. Really enjoyed it. Brilliant. Okay. Thank you, everybody. We will see you next week. Take care. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.